Welcome to the Questionable to Return podcast, where three lifelong friends discuss Wisconsin sports and more. Now, here's your hosts, Andy, Mike, and Pete. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Questionable to Return podcast. Man, we're still we're still not very good at this. Summer too, is just too busy. We're all too busy. Too busy. Nice weather. Oh, Pete, what do you think? Bueller. 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 Pete is out. He was forced to practice on a bad field in Dayton. <laughs> he hurt his ankle. He is questionable to return. It's questionable to return to the podcast ever again. <laughs> anyway, as always, I'm Andy with my buddies. Well, buddy in this case, Mike. Hi, everybody. And as we mentioned, Pete is in the infirmary somewhere. He's MIA tonight. That's okay. <laughs> we only do these podcasts once a month now, so you'll catch him uh, in September. <laughs> we really, I mean... There's a lot to cover now, so I feel like this is going to start to pick up a little bit. Football season starting to get in full swing. That's true. We're, we were at kind of a lull in sports there. Right after the MLB All-Star break, that's probably about the most boring time of the year yeah. for sports. I mean, the MLB trade deadline came and passed. The Hall of Fame game. Did you, did you get to see any of that? I did not watch any of it. I, did you know what was going on, though? I did know what was going on. I looked up the score on my phone at one point. Was it 14-7? Broncos won? 14-10. You missed a very exciting field goal, I'm sure. But I did not bother watching this. Oh, so you missed the uh, infamous first time they did a review of a pass interference call? That is exciting. I'm glad that they're able to review that stuff now. Are you? I just want them to get calls right. I feel like it's going to be painful. It could be if it's overdone. I will say in the NBA where it's at the ref's discretion when they want to review stuff, there are some playoff games where they just go to the monitor like every 10 seconds. Like, oh, we got to see if the who touched that ball last. Oh, we got to see if a toe is on the line. Like they're so afraid of making any little mistake. Well, I guess which would be a big mistake if it's a close playoff game. But. Right. So, one of the stories, I'll have a few probably sprinkled in throughout this, but I went to go to the, the annual shareholders meeting. I'm a, I'm a Packer owner. We That's talked right. about this last time. Your first one ever, right? Yeah. I, I yelled to try to get the attention of Mark Murphy to no avail, especially because the day we went up there was the day that Mike Daniels was released by Green Bay, so we'll probably talk about that a little bit. Yeah. But one of the interesting ones is he talked a little bit, he had a whole segment about like NFL rule changes and things coming up. And they had a few interesting ones, but one of the ones he covered was this rule call change, like where they're now allowing questionable calls to be reviewed. Um, is that the how it's officially for, is it just any questionable call? Do they have the power? I forgot what change? he officially said it, but I, and I know it's not just pass interference. Okay. But it all stems from like the Saints game. Right. Like last year. But what was funny was it came to a round of applause which I did not expect, and neither did he. I'm like, there's, there's people sitting around me, none of them clapped, but then all around it, there was like, came to cheers. I don't know if they're just conditioned to cheer no matter what he says. Yeah, that's weird. But he was like taken aback, and so was I, at the fact that he was not expecting to get cheers for officiating changes that involved more instant replay and more slowing of the game. Yeah. Um, but he was, it was definitely funny to him be like, oh, I was not expecting to get cheered for that. How many people would you say show up to one of these? So I, I made some friends while I was there. Some gentlemen in their probably late 60s kind of bonded. I felt like I was, it was a, it was a wide range of age groups. I was, I was interesting because when I was walking in, it was definitely, I, was, I brought down the, the average age by, mm-hmm. by a good amount. But then there was, there was quite a few younger people in the, in the stands. Um, but they came, told me all about it. They've been going for like 20 years. And uh, they said that this was one of the smaller ones. Last year was a little bit weird because the weather. They had to go inside, apparently. There was a thunderstorm. We said, oh, this is 
attendance was down, and I was kind of taken aback by that too because there was a lot of people there. Mm-hmm. It was pretty fun. Yeah, spent Worth- some time in the in the old pro shop. Worthwhile experience. Uh, how different does the area around the stadium look just compared to? I don't know when you were there last. Probably family like, night last year. Because I've been surprised at how much things can change in just a year. When I, because I probably go about once a year. Yeah, I mean the Tattletown district's pretty built up now. So like the, I think the Lattice was up a little quite a bit last year. But the the Kohler has a hotel there. That's pretty nice. So that's built up. They also have uh the full football field that has like public access, and they do movies, I guess, there on occasion. And they unveiled the. The future, the next round or next phase of it, where they're going to be building a, I do air quotes, Packers Tower, mm-hmm. which is six floors. And that's the big joke. I think only in Green Bay <laughs> yeah. can a six floor building be considered a tower. But that's where all of the Green Bay like offices and stuff are going to get moved out of actual Lambeau. Oh, all right. And they're going to do that's like, so once that gets built, they're doing another round of atrium changes. So they talked about that, but they also, unveiled title town homes yeah you uh you sent a link to uh the website for that which is pretty interesting yeah i of course they don't put prices on it but it's gonna be pretty expensive i'm sure yeah they're they're nicer they're like townhouses or condos and they were all pretty decent size too i think the bigger ones were like almost three thousand square feet so i can only imagine how much those would cost i'd be shocked if they were I mean, they got to be over half a million, you'd think, right? Yeah, yeah. Even in Green Bay, I think. Because I think some about. of those houses across from Lambo that people have taken and renovated, and and they're they're crazy awesome. Like yeah. obviously, the, with the invention of like Airbnb and and Venmo and all those, like where you can rent out places. I think those like across the street. If you look at the history of a sale, I think one of those sold for like like almost seven hundred grand. Yeah, I mean that is as prime of real estate as you can get if you're a uh, Packer fan. Is it going to be like investors trying to fill up that sort of thing or are they going to be like just rich people? Yeah, maybe people uh, higher ups at some of the or players. Like I could see like I don't, I don't know how many players they're going to try to rent out or I don't know. Yeah, it'd be interesting. I'd be very curious to know where a lot of players live that if would you want to live there? Would you want to live further away from Green Bay? Be a little more isolated? Well, during the championship game, we found out where James Jones lived. Yeah, that was when he was a rookie. He was living in an apartment. But <laughs> Next to my buddy. Yeah. we uh, The running joke was, anytime we were being loud that night, is, shh, James Jones needs to sleep. We found his phone. <laughs> we did. We found his phone. He dropped his phone in the snow. snow. <laughs> and picked it up and gave it back to him. We should try to, we should try to tweet at like, James Jones this segment and see if he remembers this. Probably doesn't, but yeah, I, I doubt he does. He didn't. He didn't even come get his phone. Like he sent like his friend. Yeah, I wouldn't either. Come get it. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, we're we're bumping elbows with Packers nonstop. It's gonna be. I mean, nowhere else in the NFL can you be in like a, a small community like that and filled with like first-rate athletes. I know it is pretty funny. I think we even saw James Jones leaving for the game we that did. day as we were like getting ready putting on warm weather stuff it's like oh there he goes good luck james good luck in the uh that was the uh, freezing cold yeah. nfc championship game so i guess the only other big thing or interesting thing coming out of like shareholder meeting they they did talk about a couple of things um coming up in the league i thought was kind of um fun um they mentioned like obviously oakland going to las vegas and kind of the evolution of the nfl um they talked about their actively talking amongst owners and other people involved with the with the different organizations about betting so they are aware of it they believe or the league is actually mm-hmm. strategically placing themselves assuming that most states will have legalized sports betting yeah. within the next five years so they're trying to set up a platform or they're going to be rolling out a platform where you can i mean it makes sense um bet legally within like the confines of the nfl um trying to get it like as a revenue share for the different teams so they can get a a cut of the pie if you will um but there are some concerns uh mark murphy said he's like heading up like a coalition or committee that's really wants to make sure that the 
obviously the integrity of the game isn't affected. Yeah. Um, but I just want to think because he says like this is a slippery slope and we don't want to. Does that mean it's possible we could see sports books at stadiums? I think so. I think you're going to see a lot of interesting stuff coming out of that. He didn't allude to too much, but the fact that they're aware of it and they was willing to talk about it already. Because it seems like if they want to in on it and get a cut of that, that might be the best way to do it. Is to, If you had actual sports books at a stadium and you could get there early and bet on right. other games too. I'm wondering if it's not going to be like rolled up into each of these teams' apps like they have in their thing. Like It's that just going to be, be like a piece of it like, hey, just like you go on. Because I believe Illinois just passed it, right? Right, They're, that's the one you referenced. Yeah, and with that state, with Illinois being so close by, you know, right. people from Wisconsin are going to, at times, just drive across the border and place bets. He made it feel like, for them, for himself in particular, but others, I think sentiments, it's like an inevitable thing. So yeah. they're just trying to make sure that they're getting out in front of it, which is kind of cool. Um, it was earlier than I thought that he would unveil it. I guess I I, I wasn't expecting that to be kind of shared. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing interesting, I at least I thought anyway, that they, the Packers and Microsoft, along with the Pittsburgh Penguins, and something else like they uh teamed up to do a venture like a vc a venture capitalist fund yeah for startups or entrepreneurs in the new title town district so they have like a technology like startup area like building facility i don't know what they i probably phrased they called it that title title town tech i think they call it that title town district's gonna have everything and why are the penguins involved <laughs> i don't just, know they, it was just supposed to be it's the first time ever that there's a, a cross sport venture um for investment in technology and startups so I'm not sure, I'm not sure why it was kind of an odd pairing, um, but I don't know enough about hockey. I would guess something to do with the Penguins owner maybe being interested be. in this, or maybe he's in that line of work. But I think they're really trying to push the like analytics piece of it too. Uh, Microsoft, I think, donated besides the equipment and, and most of the technology in the facility. Like uh, I think you mentioned somewhere around in like a ha- like a half a million dollars was invested initially. It's interesting. The whole title town district is interesting. That. It's really becoming like almost this little town within a little town already. Right. That it's going to be like this, this whole Packer centric neighborhood. So by the time you hear this, it, it might have already happened. But we're, we're going on, we're going to family night. So probably the next podcast, I'll be able to talk about that a little bit. But I think um, it's going to be interesting to see that because I think we're as a family, we're going to go check that out. That area. Um, they got a lot of spaces for kids, like the full field. Um, like as you mentioned, they're open to the public for different things. And that's right where the uh, the new housing is going to be, right? It's yeah. across from. So if you live there, you could uh, you go play on the football field. Yeah, so I think you can go to like, I think the homes thing was like Titletown. <clears throat> excuse me. The Titletown homes. And then I think you can go to Titletown district. I can't remember what the URL is, but you can kind of see, I think the new plans, like after the shareholder meeting, they were unveiling like the, the new Titletown tower that, they, that I mentioned earlier and some of the other stuff. I think one of the last things that was kind of interesting from an NFL perspective, um, apparently the NFL, I forgot how much money, it was millions of dollars, they invested in a um, pro football league in China. They're trying to get in on uh, the untapped market that is China. I think like baseball has some roots in it. I think NBA has a huge, huge uh, like foothold in there. I think they see like how big the revenue stream. Yeah, because uh, the NBA with... When they've had players like Yao Ming or the the guy the Bucks had, Yijian Lian, yeah. like that was must-see TV. When those two guys played each other, it was something crazy. Like it was on like four different channels and people were staying up all night to watch. And I know, I mean, that was going back, whatever, 15 right. years. I know now a ton of like the league pass uh, purchases come from China. And yeah, the NBA really like, that's a huge source of revenue. I can't remember I heard this story, but it was one of the part owners of like the Sixers, like Philadelphia. Like they had a preseason game where they played in China and they had over 50 million viewers. That's crazy. And it's just like, like the NFL is like, as like for a preseason game is considered to be like insane. And the average preseason game brings in what, like a quarter of a million viewers or something like that. Yeah. Which, so. yeah, there's a, uh, 
there's a country out there that if you can tap into for sports, which is it's kind of interesting that no league really has before now, like the NBA is, but they're just. It just seems to... like out of all the major sports in America, I mean, it's the the three that's not soccer. I mean, soccer is a worldwide sport, obviously. Basketball seems to be the best fit, just naturally played, and it's already yeah. like an international game. Yeah, basketball is much more of an international game than football, and even baseball. Baseball has some pockets, the you know Caribbean parts of Asia, but basketball is pretty popular all around the world, much more so than the other sports. I'd say. So we just see how that kind of plays out. But it was it was kind of a hmm. I get definitely an eyebrow raised to see what happens with that. Yeah, it wasn't like a small sum of money. I think it was, if I had to guess, so don't hold me to it. It was somewhere in the range of fifty to hundred or fifty to hundred million dollars that they're throwing. That is interesting. I mean, I find that I've this is all stuff I find interesting. So I probably would have found the shareholders meeting pretty yeah pretty it was, worthwhile. It was everything I thought it would be, but then also not like it was. It was actually better than I thought it was going to be. Mm-hmm. It was it was cool because I said I was going to share one more thing, but I think we're now going to go down a rabbit hole. But <laughs> um, once they got into the actual like some of the finance stuff was kind of intriguing, but then they went through like each chair. Had his own, had their own group. So marketing came up and talked about their campaign. It was interesting because they talked about some of this cool stuff that they're doing. When then it's all like the quick trip perks and stuff. And it's like he's like, oh, you can go on your app. And he thought that was the coolest thing ever. And it's like anybody, anybody who's there is like, oh, that's not that big a deal. Yeah. But um, but the big things were obviously when Mark Murphy talked like three different times, opened it up. Um, they all thanked Mike McCarthy. The funny part was, is when Goot came up and talked. He was the first one to thank him. The opening remarks from Murphy, he left it out, and then after Goot talked, like Murphy talked again, and then oh. like thanked him. Whoops. Um, so that was kind of interesting. But So that was all thanked, and they went through the roster. And some of the new additions, the coaching staff, they played the video, obviously, of of Rock interviewing LaFleur, so that was kind of interesting to see. I saw it, but it's cool to watch on the big screens in, in Lambeau. Um, but I think the big thing was driving up there was when I first found out like Mike Daniels got cut. So maybe we want to talk about this now. Yeah, maybe we can go into stuff. it now. Um, so I kind of knew it going into it. So it was interesting what they were going to say. What I was more surprised about how nobody in the stands knew. So like they announced it and, it and you could hear kind of pockets like figure it out. Like people are checking their phones through the opening remarks a little bit. So it's kind of like starting to see. It. So the guy next to me was like, what are they saying or whatever else? And then. Um, so I knew it and I kind of like mentioned like, oh, like Daniels is gone and he like wasn't, it was, and then he like wanted to hear what he was having to say so he didn't really catch it. But they did a whole highlight package and they spent a lot of time emphasizing Kenny Clark. Mm-hmm. Like Kenny Clark is like the foundation of the defense and like he's a priority. Went on and did a whole like highlight package about it and like how he's like going to be 24, like, which is insane to me still. Like if you think about it, like that's, that's yeah. crazy that he's going to be a stable defense. He feels like he's been here already for a long time, which I mean, I guess he was, but he's not even hit the peak of his like production. There are going to be rookies this year who are 24 years old, right. <laughs> like turning 24. So to have that guy, that guy on your defensive line, I think, is insane. So it kind of leads to why I think they felt that they could uh, part ways with with Daniels. He had a little bit of a banged up season, and kind of you've seen this trajectory of his stats kind of start to hit the. The wrong direction that you'd want to see and not an age wasn't on his side so ultimately are you okay with letting daniels go i assumed he was probably going to be like i was just hoping they would trade to get something for him and it feels weird in that sense where i think once the rumor is that you're you they know that you're trying to part with a guy it's very hard to get any value for him yeah because they they'll just take their chances on the open market knowing you're going to cut him i think that happens a lot especially Towards that even like like training camp. Like, yeah. I guess I was a little surprised to see it happen. Um, I guess my initial thought was just you can't have too many pass rushers. Like that's the right. one position where it's like you it's never a problem to have too many. I know uh he didn't grade out great last year against the run, but he was still pretty good rushing the passer, at least by uh pro football focus. Um so I was kind of bummed to see us get rid of a quality pass rusher, especially when Aaron Rodgers is going to turn 36. We don't know how many 
great years Aaron has left. So I'd hate to think that this is kind of a like experiment with the defense of the new pieces kind of year. Um, so I guess that's my main concern. I don't know. I think you you see the investment with Zadarius Smith and Preston Smith, like that whole those those two, and then Rashawn Gary coming in. Yeah, I forgot the other guy that drafted too. Um, Kiki Kingsley. Yeah, so I think he's like they he's been pretty impressive so far in many camps going into it. But then once you saw them give that extension to Dean Lowry, it's like the writing is on the wall. They're not bringing him back. And I guess I was looking at it as then the way I was trying to look at it the way the Packers probably view it, and. One is obvious if you just look at the fact that Mike Daniels is six foot. They are definitely building a defense that's more about length and athleticism right. versus just the uh, the fire hydrant kind of build that Mike Daniels is like this crazy bull rush six right. foot guy. Everyone else is six three or taller. And then when I actually started, I started looking at what the defense might look like. And one thing I think uh, doesn't get talked about enough is there really isn't a front seven anymore in football. Like every team plays nickel so much. It's really like you have a front six. So like to even talk about like the fact that a three, four and like who's in the front seven, it's really your front six. And so you got Kenny Clark and Blake Martinez probably have the most defined roles. They're not going to leave the field much. So you want to have enough snaps to go around for all your new guys. Cause then you got Zadarius Smith, Preston Smith, Rashawn Gary, Dean Lowry, Montravius Adams, you got Oren Burks, you got Fackrell, you got Kiki Kingsley, even the rookie, the other rookie, Ty Summers. That is a lot of guys and a lot of new pieces. So I think they did just look at it as if he's not part of the future, do we want to be giving him a ton of snaps? Yeah, and he was like, as you mentioned, even with the structure of the Dean Lowry deal, if you, if Especially with Goot, and I think even the, I think it stems from Ted Thompson. He hasn't missed a game in what two seasons, three seasons. Yeah, and you have, and you look at Mike Daniels, and and you know you want to lose your position to injury and things like that. But I think it means something, even if you're like from a skill perspective, you may not like he's not as good. Like nobody's going to pretend to tell you that Dean Lowry is as good as Mike Daniels. Yeah, but the fact that it's a guy you can rely upon, and that you can structure get his deal in guy who's consistent and you get save that 9.1 so you can push push the chips to put the focus back on Kenny Clark which I I, I if you give me the two it's like oh we'll have him for a year and then struggle to sign Kenny Clark I'm like it's a no-brainer Kenny Clark's got to get extended yeah. friend of the podcast I may have to add that's Kenny Clark. that's very true he has given us a shout out uh yeah because basically they they got rid of Daniels because the the money they freed up now gives them more flexibility with these extensions Lowry and then you assume that uh Kenny Clarks will come soon and we were just talking before the podcast they had some award last year for D-line I I forget was it uh uh like a wrestling belt or something like that where they would basically vote on who had right. the best game on the D-line week to week and it was basically Kenny Clarks like all season he really almost never gave it up so yeah you definitely want to take care of him first and foremost but Montrevious Adams is supposed to be very improved I think he was he had a belt he's carrying around during practice when they're riding bikes so so I get wanting to make sure that that there's enough snaps now to go around because the guys we just listed there's there's a lot of I feel like there's a lot of quality players in the front six that's our new term too front six we'll coin it <laughs> here on QTR. Here first. QTR, no such thing as a front seven. The front six. All right, so Leslie got out of uh, training camp. So what are some things you're kind of watching for? I mean, it's kind of like the first week. Family night kind of kicks off right before the the first time that uh, another team's coming to town to do inter-squad scrimmage before the actual first mm-hmm. preseason game. Yeah, I I would say one of the biggest things is wide receiver after Devontae Adams. I'm very curious to see how that shakes out the the two guys from last year the rookies uh St. Brown and MVS how does Geronimo Allison look is Kumaro in the mix I feel like there's a lot that could uh right a lot that could happen there um that's probably my number one I like that one too I, I totally agree with you on that one um perpetual 
preseason standout Trevor Davis has been turning heads, so we'll see yeah. if that amounts to anything from a special teams perspective. I think he has. It, he might make the roster just to return kicks because that has been a big problem. Is anyone not named Trevor Davis has struggled mightily on kick returns. And then uh, the Packers recently signed uh, Corey Grant. Do you remember him from the Jacksonville Jaguars? I do. The, the lightning, lightning rod speed, speed guy? Yeah. That's kind of interested to see that. That is an interesting move. If anything, I guess it doesn't hurt just to have uh, another body in camp right. for running back. That's a position that... Yeah, the rumor is like completely special teams related. So if he's even like adds like some running back depth, but even if he's just a kind of a spark on special teams, like just having sheer speed. So yeah, I think you're kind of seeing hearing a theme here as they're kind of transitioning length, speed. Yeah. Um, they're trying to get faster, younger. So one of the things I'm looking to watch is kind of the, the stability of the offensive line. I think that was kind of a little bit in question. Well, I think the Packers offensive line was highly underrated and actually graded out quite well. Um, the more hints to Aaron holding the ball probably too long. Yeah. More than anything, but I kind of just see how like the depth of that the versatile Billy Turner that they signed, um, Bakhtiari obviously the mainstay, um, how Lane Taylor looks, Brian Bulaga's back, quote unquote asterisks healthy. Yeah. Um. But aren't the, who's the who's the guy they drafted last year that's now back? Is it Cole Madison? Cole Madison, yeah. Kind of see how he does now he's back in it. So then I want to see the secondary just to see what, how Amos plays and. Kind of seeing how those cornerbacks look. Yeah, the secondary has a new look. There's so much talk now about what we just were mentioning, the front six. You kind of forget we had two new safeties. Mm-hmm. Jerry Alexander coming off a big rookie year. Right. The secondary is at least has potential to be pretty pretty good. So the last thing, as we mentioned, the inter-squad scrimmage. So uh, the Texans are coming to town. We're going to get J.J. Watt riding bikes? Yeah, so that was the kind of the big announcement that... uh. Teddy mentioned that uh, usually it doesn't happen much with the Packers just because it's usually the team's required to be reciprocal. So, like, if they come here, they want you to go there. And you've never to do that because uh, training camp days mean so much more for the community and, like, the economy of Green Bay as opposed yeah. to other teams in other towns because they go to other um, colleges or whatever else they do. But uh, Houston said, no, 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 we don't need any of that. We were just trying to get the heck out of, out of Houston and the Texas heat. Uh, so they're coming up, I think. So if you're around and you're listening to this, uh, the Texans, I think, are coming the 5th of August. So that was kind of interesting to see. And they uh, wanted to make sure that Mark Murphy and the Packers let everybody know that they wanted to participate um, if if the fans of Green Bay would have them to participate in the biking uh, thing to practice. I thought that was a pretty cool gesture. I think that was led up by J.J. Watt. Dream come true, J.J. Watt. Riding bikes. We had always dreamed about it. If only he could be a Packer. Right. This is, this is as close as we're going to get, probably. So we'll enjoy it. So if you're around, that's kind of a good thing to check out. And then, then yeah, definitely. they changed the field around for uh, training camp because we used to go. Remember how they had the two split fields? Yeah. Uh, they, they removed the barrier. Now it's one long 100-yard field with oh, good. sections for specialized drills. That's a team, but I think LaFleur can kind of. Wanted that switched around. Yeah. That I think is all I have. All right. That covers shareholders and Packers. That covers the Packers for now. So, quickly before we move on to uh, the MLB trade deadline and the Brewers, the Bucks made one more key addition. Oh, yeah. We've been gone so long. We didn't even talk about this. We kind of hoped it and wished it, like, hey, maybe if it could come true, they it happened. Reunited Coach Bud and three-point assassin <laughs> Kyle Korver. Uh, what a great signing yes. to kind of cap off the Bucks roster. I would say... Uh, Horst has done, I think, a phenomenal job. Yeah, you got to feel pretty good about the way free agency went to only really lose Brogdon and up Miritich too. Um, but that didn't seem like as big of a loss after you got benched. And then mm-hmm. to fill in the gaps with, you know, Wesley Matthews. Yeah, I think we talked about they definitely got, I think one of the key things we always talked about coming out of last year was one, they didn't have the key scoring threat from the outside, and they also didn't have the veteran presence to kind of weather some of the, the rough and, and storms that they kind of faced. It seemed like 
didn't know what to do. Yeah. Kind of thing. So with Wesley Matthews and clearly a Kyle Korver signing, like kind of helps fill yeah. both those. And even Robin Lopez, it's all these veteran yeah. guys who and just role players that unselfish guys that are like know their place, but like clearly are coming here to contribute. And Korver's case, like was between what I think the Bucks and they he said the Sixers. Yeah. Like obviously at this, he's he's thirty eight years old. He's just looking to play for as good of a team as he can find. Right. Um, you got to feel good, like you said, just needing that that steady three point shooter. And Corver is about as good as it gets. Even last year, he still shot just a hair under forty percent from three. So even in his late thirties, he's still just this deadly three point shooter. He'll be thirty nine by the time the playoffs start, but... It's the new 30. Yeah, we've seen guys before. Jason Terry had some quality years with the Bucks around late 30s, 40 years old, so... Well, let's be honest. Like, we're, we're asking... Even, like, the Miritich role, like, we're, ask, we're not asking you to play two-way, like, lockdown D type of thing. We're, we yeah. we need the guy when when everybody collapses on Giannis and they, and they play that wall-type defense... And they collapse in on him. We need the guy that he can just dump out to the corner and hit that shot consistently. So kind of like it makes them think twice or hesitate before they do that. Um, and I think Corver is like the perfect kind of fit for this. Hopefully it works out. We thought that was kind of what Miritich was for, and that didn't quite work out. But I don't know. You like it that the next day after he was signed, he was in there working with Giannis and working yeah. on his three-point shots. So that alone, I guess, is like a right. another player-coach type presence. Yeah, that could be worth the money alone. But like we said, with uh, you're not counting on him to, you know, play lockdown D. They're they're not counting on him either to play big time regular season minutes. Mm-hmm. I would think he'll he'll be on a pretty low minute limit until just enough, you know, so he has a feel for the offense and you know be in shape. But really, it's it's playoff times is what we signed him for, right? It's, that's where they're going to want to use him is they're going to find a couple, maybe a couple, like five or six minute stretches in the games and the playoffs where you really need some shooting on the floor. And he's a perfect guy to bring in, especially if you have like him and Middleton kind of on the wings where Giannis is looking for, for uh, shooters to kick it out to. Well, it makes you feel good that players like this that normally, and I get it, we're, we're a pretty good team and a contender, but. Get some good teams he could pick between to have yeah. and pick Milwaukee, kind of like in that. Some of it obviously is a relation. So, like, even Rob, Robin Lopez coming, I mean, obviously his brother probably played some of that into some of that. But I don't know. It kind of feels good that, like, Middleton wants to come back and sign. He doesn't, like, doesn't ask for, like, a max deal. It's just a, the hair under. Um, even, like, the Bledsoe idea where he gave, like, a, a kind of a hometown discount by signing a little bit early, where less than a year ago he wanted out of Milwaukee. Yeah. Uh, it, good. it definitely feels good. Uh, just think how many rough years we've had with the Bucks. You know, trying to talk ourselves into, you know, Brandon Jennings, and now we have the MVP of the league, Coach of the Year. Guys want to come here. You know, we actually attract. Not that we're attracting superstars, but we're attracting quality role players, quality NBA players to surround Giannis and Middleton with. That I feel pretty good about this team now going forward i mean both teams in walk i think it's really kind of interesting that they're both being recognized one with with both having younger gms but the analytics and, and data science teams of both of the teams respectively both the bucks and the brewers are are like league renowned from both mlb and nba as being like the leaders in forefront which is just it's funny to think about that milwaukee's now like that is considered that you normally think of that would be the coast or the teams with the bigger pockets would be the ones kind of hitting cutting edge or whatever else. But cool to see that Milwaukee's being recognized and a lot of teams are taking notice and, and kind of modeling after it. So hopefully uh, we continue to kind of stay on the forefront. But some of the stuff where we're, we're, Brewers kind of got pointed out initially with some of the stuff they got out of like Wade Miley, for example, and, and some of the Chassin stuff that they, they pulled yeah. kind of rabbit out of their head. Aguilar has like an undervalue type thing. But I think the same thing's happening with the Bucks and Horst where you see the uh, jumping in on the on the Bledsoe bandwagon. Even like Miritich was supposed to be like they're, they're kind of seeing like the analytics. It didn't quite work out exactly the way we expected. But even like adding like the Corver assets and things like that, like you can see like the analytics playing into 
account and like this team is just so i think ready to go for the next season i'm kind of i'm even more excited than i was even a year ago it's interesting that yeah not only do all the wisconsin teams have mvps on their roster they all have these young kind of up-and-coming gms all all kind of at the same time they've made the switch to yeah this younger analytics driven approach and now you're starting to see it so it's good times uh it's good times for wisconsin sports and the bucks have the best odds in vegas now right bucks are the favorites in the east um a little bit ahead of philadelphia and then there's a big drop and then it's boston so everyone's predicting it's it's bucks and sixers are the teams to beat in the east so if that's the case, you got to like the Bucks' chances. I hope they learn just... something from Toronto, like a little bit like, hey, being, yeah. being the number one seed isn't everything. Yeah, and also that they need a, they need a, a plan B for the playoffs. They need, they need to be able to change up their offense a little more on the fly. But, you know, if you're in the East and when it's not that competitive, you got a decent chance because the West is going to be a bloodbath. It is. Just, just get to the finals, see what happens. Yeah, I'm really excited for this roster. I mean, Giannis and uh, Corver, but you have Middleton, Corrin into it, and another year of DJ Wilson, Connaughton, another year. DiVincenzo, see if he can make another leap this year. And the Lopez brothers. I mean, of what's going to be more fun than just those two arguing and in, a, both, in a fun way? They both signed multi-year deals too, so. I think so. I know what Brooke did. I don't remember what Robbins was off the top of my head. He's got a player option second year. Hopefully, Brooke doesn't piss him off too much, or at least the Cats maybe can get along. Yeah, if the Cats don't fight too much, I think he might exercise that player option. Really, that's what it comes down to. So the MLB trade deadline has come and gone, and the Brewers added four pitchers. Madison Bumgarner? Not Madison Bumgarner, not Zach Grinke, not Will wait, Smith. Wait, 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 wait. Syndergaard? Not Syndergaard. What about the, oh, no, the guy from, we got the guy from the Blue Jays? Stroman? No. Nope, not him either. We got the immortal Drew Pomerantz. We got Ray Black, whoever that is. Jake Faria, whoever that is. And one-time brewer, Jordan Lyles. So the only one that's actually probably going to contribute right now, Lyles, because he pitched what today? Lyles did pitch already. Uh, Pomerantz was just added to the roster. I wonder if he's the fifth starter. I haven't heard officially yet. I would think I he... They, and then the other one did the option. The other guys are going to the minors, and I guess they are going to sort it out. Um, I'm, I'm okay, though, with the moves, given that we sent... Jesus Aguilar and Mauricio Dubon, we didn't really have a ton to trade. Right. So given just the way our roster and farm system looked, it's basically just take a chance on a bunch of guys and hope a couple of them pan out. Because Especially change the scenery. Like maybe Lyles will be like... Yeah, like... Lyles looked good in his, uh, his first start with the Brewers. Uh, Jake Faria is someone who throws like uh, around 100 and they have four years of team control so I think they're hoping that they can kind of mold these guys a little bit and yeah change the scenery maybe just a new pitching coach a new catcher maybe they can kind of turn around someone like Pomerantz who's really struggled with uh with the Giants but sad to see Jesus go just personality wise, he's he's been one of the more fun brewers for the last couple of years. Right. And uh yeah, are you disappointed that they didn't get someone a bigger name pitcher? No, I mean after the kind of the the talks even before the season even started when like there was rumors of, of any one of these guys coming to walk in um came to fruition. And I think we as we talked even in the last few podcasts where and you mentioned even now who do we give up? And there's rumors of like Mustakis being part of that. Then like, how do you feel that? And I guess some of it was when Hira like came up and has been a, been a huge surprise, pleasant surprise. You kind of think, okay, maybe we can do without a little bit of offense and you let Mustakis go, but it's still, 
you have to give it to a team that's looking to rebuild and they're not going to want to rebuild with a guy whose contract's expiring. So he's yeah. not really even a guy. And even like there was talks of, um, talks of being like Grandal being um, part of trade bait and like same thing. It's like they only have a half a year rental. Yeah. Um, what I do find interesting about the trade deadline, which is not even at all what you asked, but I'm going to go down this road anyway, mm-hmm. is like the trades of like Strowman and Trevor Bauer to like, the likes of Cincinnati and whatever else like these teams that are not in it for this year but they're clearly structuring themselves to make a run out of it in 2020 yeah because like Bauer in in that case the the Reds have actually had pretty good pitching this year mm-hmm. that hasn't been their problem so they're they're kind of just playing on their strength of hoping they have a really strong rotation next year and I guess it's not a bad move just from the you can never have too of, many arms yeah and if it doesn't work out it, then they they trade Bauer next year, right? But yeah, the Reds are kind of like thinking, all right, I think we're in. I think we even can. the Mets like they're not really in it either, and they're definitely like they're gonna have a a crazy rotation. Yeah, they're probably the rest of the year, and then especially in the next year, they're probably looking at it too as if we can just get healthy. And some of their young hitters have really popped, like Pete Alonso. You know, mm-hmm. he won the home run derby. He's turned into this big time slugger. So yeah, it is that that made it kind of a weird deadline is that teams that were buying right <laughs> that you wouldn't expect to be buying and then also you had a team like the giants that was simultaneously buying and selling which that doesn't really make any sense i don't really know what they're trying to do there i mean they gave away like three relief pitchers but then traded for scooter Jeanette, and now they have dubon so i don't know if they're kind of yeah, trying to do I'm not both, sure either. both at once. It's Bruce Bochy's last year. Are they trying to still try to give him some like we're kind of in but we're not but we're yeah. kind of in just for you. I don't know. It's, I feel it's similar with the Brewers like outside looking in for, for people who aren't as familiar with the team structure and some of the stuff that's been happening even with Jesus like towards the second half of last year and even obviously going into this year. Like we have a lot of I mean we haven't I should say a lot of depth but we have that mid mid to low 200s hitters yeah with like some power like Thames can do that too um and then you also have like where do you what do you do with Travis Shaw now that he's back I think they they got to do something right now they just sent down to make room for new guys like Pomerantz they sent down Saladino who was not playing well so they don't have a back. Whoa, whoa, whoa! Step. You mean you mean two grand slams, Saladino? Yeah, he did hit two grand slams, and they were both pretty key moments. <laughs> it's like two grand slams. You have whatever, but you're still batting like what one eighty? Yeah, and Travis Shaw though is now like zero for ten since he came up from his latest stint in the minors. Which is unfortunate because he was crushing it. He was he was raking it in in AAA. I don't know. Yeah, it just doesn't translate. I think they got to bring up. Perez again one just so they have a backup shortstop I think council said Moustakas is a backup shortstop right now which is funny to think of but ultimately you, you can't accurate yeah you can't go the rest of the season trying to play him at short so I think we just got to cut our losses with Shaw this year and he'll be back next year but I think we shouldn't see him again this year uh a lot of people that were upset with these moves seem to be most upset by the fact that we traded Dubon and I'm okay with getting rid of Dubon because he's 25 years old. So in terms of prospects, he's a little older. I know he tore his ACL and that set him back, but also the giants are talking about playing him at second base. I just don't know if he's a shortstop, right? And if he's not a shortstop, the brewers don't have a need for him. Right. I mean, we got Keston here, and uh, the Brewers' number one prospect right now is Bryce Terang, who's a shortstop. So I don't think Dubon just fit into the the future of the team. I know he's having a good year this, this year, and people are kind of upset about that, but I think it just made sense to get rid of him. Yeah, I mean, I think we just saw with other players have gone up and down. Like, it doesn't translate necessarily. Yeah, we've... To major league. We've had so many guys just killing it at AAA. Perez is the latest one. He's been great since he got sent down. It's like Shaw right. and Perez. He, these guys that just, they they rake in AAA, but I don't know what's going on this year. It's pretty uneventful, like trade deadline too. I don't know. 
and what's weird about it is like MLB, like you're not like getting rid of like that secondary um, trade deadline where it's like the the waiver waiver trades, and with the adding of a wild card spot, you now you double whammy the fact that teams are now simultaneously it's earlier and more teams are in it. Yeah. So I think there's already been clamorings or there's been rumors of like ownership and like teams wanting pushing this back out. So there's been rumors of like late August, mid August. Yeah. Um so I don't think you see it being this early again next year. Yeah, which makes this one weird. But yeah, they were talking already. Also, uh I know it was mentioned uh the Olympics the Tokyo Olympics are next summer that they were talking if they wanted to push it back to basically drop more interest for baseball to not have to compete with the Olympics, which also could factor in. But yeah, uh, like you said, a lot of owners, I think, want it at least a week later, if not two weeks or more. So we might never see this again. This might be the only time we get the one-time only end-of-July trade deadline. Other than the Brewers making moves, uh, probably one of the bigger moves, I mean, the Grinky move is the biggest one, but the Cubs did get uh, Castellanos, who's a pretty good hitter, and I think that's something that definitely they needed as their their lineup was very top-heavy. They got about five quality hitters all year, right? and then it's just kind of huge drop-off. So that makes the Cubs just that much better. So Brewers have their work cut out. <laughs> It was interesting. I was looking through because uh, I think yesterday I was looking, maybe the day before, at the different moves. And it was just funny to go back. Like the Cubs traded for Maldonado, and oh. then traded him again. Like so, they, <laughs> they tra- I think they traded from what in June, and then like, hey, thanks for thanks for playing us for four weeks. See you later. Former Brewer Maldonado. Yeah. And eventual Gold Glove winner Martin Maldonado. He can't hit, but. Defensive. Defensively, about as good as it gets. Also, what was interesting, they kind of talked a little bit more about the financials at shareholder meeting. Um, and they're going hard fast at uh, talking. Both the financial guy and Mark Murphy talked not real long, but enough to make you notice. About having the reserves, so they're mo- and they also and they made a point to talk about repeated. I think he said it maybe it had to been had to been at least five times about the collective bargaining agreement that they currently have in place of how it's benefited both teams, players, and fans especially. Hmm. Laid that on thick that the fact that the I think the fans benefited the most out of this, so we're hoping that we can come to a deal. But then they kept placing emphasis on the on the rainy day fund that they put in place. They're hedging pretty hard is he, for twenty twenty one. Is he trying to hint that a lockout? Lockout. Coming. Uh, I do think uh it's going to be very interesting. S- some things need to change because already look at how many big name players were holding out at the start of this camp. I mean, Michael Thomas, Zeke Elliott, and Melvin Gordon. Michael oh. Thomas, I think, was a little bit different one, but you're right. Like there, he was holding out, but I think that was one of those ones. Like, hey, just don't show up to camp. Little bit, we got this done. So good on him for his hundred million dollar contract. That first one on the offensive side of the ball. It's not a quarterback. So, but it, as far as the others concerned, I think Le'Veon Bell set, set a decent precedence. But I think quote, and I was pretty hard hard set on him. I I just thought not not that he was doing it. I mean, that's it's it's your body, it's your life, your decision to make. I just more from a, if you're really worried about financial aspect of it. I think you ended up losing money out on the deal because if you're signing a one-year tender at like over twenty, around twenty million dollars or eighteen million dollars, whatever it was, I mean, I get it. You could have gotten injured, but what are the odds of like he would have suffered such a catastrophic injury that he wouldn't have got another contract after that? And his and his contract with the Jets is what three mil, like three years, thirty some million. Is do you think? Uh, what I don't like though, let me just like yeah. What I don't like is the fact, and again, it's they do what they need to do. Also, friend of the podcast, Melvin Gordon. Mm-hmm. Some of these guys, like, you're sending a dangerous precedence where, like, you sign these deals. It's different. Like, Le'Veon's was a little bit different because he didn't have to sign. He just refused to sign, like, the franchise tender. Like, yeah. that's, his, that's well within his prerogative. Like, he didn't 
he didn't get fined for anything like he didn't break any like whatever but these other guys they're like they're under contract i don't know i'm interested to see what happens i guess yeah do you think the players union really needs to push for some sort of change though like specifically to running backs because it just seems like we're at this point where teams are are looking at it this way and the analytics are saying that basically don't pay running backs like you you use a guy up on his rookie deal for and sure then move on i almost wonder if if they need some sort of i know i had mentioned before maybe rookie deals are one year shorter for running backs but i wonder if it even needs to go further than that or if the running back position is just going to become like so devalued and for everyone who plays fantasy football it's like running backs you know they're always going to be important star players right there's a ton of big names it's almost like it's a guess and no i i it's interesting that with like some of these players like some of them are like i think they're gonna have more longevity than others in the past and others like i think ezekiel Elliott will have definitely have a shelf life like runners like that between the tackles just yeah are gonna get beat up upon but i think you have players like Le'Veon bell um like david david johnson's another one like he's a little bit older but you don't see it Gurley's got some like knee injuries, but you can put him in that. Alvin Kamara is a big one, but they're so much more dynamic, and they do so much more outside the box. And I don't think—I mean—they take a beating, but they're just—I think it's different than it was like when the Emmett Smith days and whatever else, yeah. where you just like, your heads down running. Yeah, uh, the- I don't know. I do agree with you. I, I don't. I, I think that their their NFL careers are 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 vastly shorter than any other position. I don't think they should be under a rookie contract for like what four years or three yeah. years or whatever it is. That seems a little bit insane. Yeah, it seems like that would be the most obvious thing would be to uh, shorten it for running backs. But then you wonder uh, what kind of problems does that create in terms of if there's guys who are maybe kind of tweeners, you know. Mm-hmm. Remember, like Ty Montgomery coming out as sure. like a receiver, running back. Would some guys push to be like, "Well, I'm entering the draft as a running back because I played a little of both"? Or I don't know if they do something more where like the the I don't know if you, I don't know how you force this, but it's like I think the problem with the NFL compared to other sports is like their contracts aren't fully guaranteed. Yeah, so you're signing like these big like for example, let's say Le'Veon Bell's. I don't know exactly what it's so nobody like tweet tweet me like or send a correction. I'm not. Yeah. I, fully looking this up let's say like he has like a three year 36 million dollars but like it guarantees like what 17 million yeah maybe they have to do something in a provision like where hey running backs they may have a shorter contract or maybe keep them the same but they're fully guaranteed contracts yeah or do shorter or do both like do hey shorter minimums because i I would worry about like because if if the average median age for a running back is so much lower than other positions if you now force them to be signed to a shorter stint to allow the really elite running backs now to get paid more sooner. Mm-hmm. Does it also negatively affect the people who are not on the elite side? So take the, take the handful of people like that are not Melvin Gordon. Yeah. Now you just cut their careers even less. Yeah. What if they had something like, if you, if you sign a contract that makes you a top 10 paid running back in the league, a third of it doesn't count towards the cap. Some incentive for a team. I know this is. We're just, I, I'm we're just going on a rabbit hole of like we're whatever. Just, we're just spitballing here. Yeah, yeah, I know. Because it's going to be interesting. It's like all of a sudden now we're going to. The danger you start running in is it's going to turn into NBA contracts. Like, is this bird rights? Is yeah. this like some weird, like, oh, hometown, whatever? He gets a fifth year option because he's been always been a Packer. Like, it, or is it like. It well, is, he's on his second contract, but. F- but first with this team, so he can't really do this, and that's all guaranteed, but it doesn't, like, I don't know. Now you start to have, like... It's true. As much as we uh, are nerdy about sports to the point that we're doing a podcast about it right now, like, the NBA is very hard to follow for even, like, pretty hardcore fans of just keeping track of how the whole salary structure works and all that. And, yes, then you, anytime you make these kind of rule changes, too, you always have to worry about ways that teams could exploit it because that is a problem we uh teams have done this before uh famously one of them i heard of was uh you know they used to have the the poison pills built into contracts 
I believe, I think it was Nate Burleson when he was a restricted free agent. The Seahawks offered him a deal where he he lost money if he played eight games in Minnesota was like built into it. So basically it was the way the contract was structured. If they wanted to match the exact deal, it basically be impossible for the Vikings, <laughs> but cause they had some goofy language like that. About, crazy. Yeah. So you're going to find teams that are always going to look to exploit it. The new England Patriots. So you do worry about with the whole running back thing of with teams so just to go back full circle of like the Le'Veon Bell contract, because now I pulled it up in the meantime. So he signed a, a four-year, $52.5 million deal, 27 guaranteed. Yeah. Which which is pretty, I mean, it's good on him, but it's like, it's whatever. I guess what you're wondering, 27 guaranteed. So if, if after this year it doesn't work out or like it works two years, it, that third year is not guaranteed at all. Yeah. You're basically working on a two-year, $27 million deal. Yeah, the way these NFL contracts work is these teams have basically built in outs after a couple of years and yeah, you you might only see half the money. The Yeah, so I guess, I guess I wonder I don't, I don't know the fix. I think we can spitball a bunch of maybe I'll think about about a little more. I think what's interesting is in the next year, I wonder what free agency is going to look like knowing that the collecting bargaining agreement is going to be different going into the year after. Yeah, that's true too. I also wonder if teams to kind of combat like the, the Ezekiel Elliott moves and like the Melvin Gordon stuff. Um, like, do you just put a lot more bonuses up front for like showing up to camp? Like, hey, that's, you get a, you get a week one bonus of like five million dollars. Now it doesn't make sense for you to like make it to a point where like it doesn't make sense for you to hold out. Yeah, or you're really gonna hinder like your year. Really that is one thing I'm I'm just a little sick of with the NFL because last year even we saw you know Aaron Donald we saw Le'Veon Bell it just seems like it's the norm now you go into every season and there's a couple star players that are holding out and yeah the NFL it's did Crabtree do it when he was a rookie oh uh, yeah I, I think so I think you're right Sorry, he was, he I was just, <laughs> yeah it was on my mind I just thought about it but it's like I do think the NFL has the uh, just the structure that's toughest on players. You know, like we were saying, just the fact, like you're pointing out, that only like half the money is guaranteed compared to baseball and basketball where you're getting these big, bigger contracts to begin with and it's fully guaranteed. Well, yeah, it's like you baseball, you just have like the luxury tax piece of it, but you don't have any real true like salary caps. So like that's already against the smaller market teams. It's like I like everything that the NFL does as far as like caps. So it has parity across the teams. And I think you, you see that in in team variances so i think it's entertaining for both teams and fans where you're not just like hey you know what like the big markets like the cowboys are always going to be great and you're going to have like the ones like new york like for example right now the new york teams are not that good no (laughs) and and i can see where where stuff thrives um i guess what they're always going to be hamstrung and i think we talked about before is like the the nba is always going to have bigger contracts it's just it's just never going to be the same because they don't have they, they have almost the same amount of money and it's going to like ten guys. Yeah, you, and now you have to you have to fill out a roster of fifty three starting, but then you have an additional what eight practice squad or like rotational guys, and then whatever. Like you have to split the same amount of money across five times as much people. It's just yeah, and they're always going to be able to argue too that they play more games, even if football games are tougher on you. The season's so well, AB s- talked about that too. It's significantly like, shorter, it's like ten one tenth the length of a baseball season. So you, it's, it's, and and you feel for on one side you feel for them like they 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 are human gladiators yeah well I suppose gladiators are human but they're 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 like a, they're like our modern <laughs> oh, day gladiators yeah. well yeah was oh no, I was thinking Airbud Air ever <laughs> okay continue <laughs> anyway, but you but you hear AB talk where he it's like if I was if I was in the NBA I'd be like whatever else and I'm one of the most elite and what was that I think you mentioned that quote last time it was from a couple of years ago yeah just how much more money he'd be making that he's like he'd be like the 40th highest paid nba player as of a couple of years ago right and then on one hand you're like i feel for him like you're on a dangerous sport the most dangerous out of out of the big three but at the same time go play like go play basketball then like you yeah. you picked this profession yeah. knowing full well that you were going to make your life and your family's life completely different you're an nfl athlete you're making a good portion of money granted i mean all things being what they are i mean i'd love for you to have more but that's just the way the structure is built so i don't know if they 
if the cap i don't know if, if after the collective bargaining agreement like you see caps rise um because think about they what are they cause that was the thing mark murphy talked about like the caps risen like what 10 million for the last three years or something like that yeah that's that's been one of the reasons that you know ted thompson's philosophy was becoming outdated as the cap keeps jumping so much that you really you have to jump into free agency right. it's it's not as risky as it used to be so I don't know if you just see that go higher so that now the players get a bigger revenue share. I don't know. You talk about all this different stuff and, and I've been listening to other different podcasts and it's interesting to see owners talk about like the NBA now where like they're at a paradigm where if you talked about it 10 years ago, it wouldn't make sense to own a, you'd be taking losses. You're actually paying losses on owning an NBA franchise. Yeah. And they've worked it out now and I think you have a lot of really great owners in it and like there's obviously a huge market share difference is now worldwide sport you brought a lot of you injected a lot of international players it now makes sense where like you're making a lot of money where like the nfl teams are just cash cows like they just whatever will that always be the case i don't know i don't know what the answer is i just think you're gonna see a huge jump in salary cap that's the only way the i just, I just think that's the only realistic way anything that changes is if you don't if you jump the i don't know what the cap number would be but jump it like 50 million yeah there's going to be a lot of changes coming down the pipeline in terms of salary structures, potentially more games. There's going to be a lot. But for now, we'll just enjoy the 2019 football season, which started officially tonight. It's August. Hall of Fame game. I'm excited now. There's football every week now until February. Mock drafts, how many have you done fantasy football? I did like two last weekend. The thing is, so what are you drafting? So now, we, our, our so now we can talk about a little bit our our fourteen team. Mm-hmm. We call it the heart failure fantasy football league. Yeah, because we're all gonna die of heart attacks. Let's Just see if you're smart enough to figure out what the URL is for our fa- <laughs> our our team site. But important for fantasy is don't burn yourself out too early. I've there's been years I start doing like mocks and research in like mid July, and by September I'm like sick of it. I'm not even like. Like I'm so over like doing all the preps, so I am trying to time it perfectly. Where like I'm still really into it by by like draft weekend because it is one of the most fun days of the year. It is like we do draft songs and things like that. So yeah. those of you that are in the league listening to our podcast, like the 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 site's open, so make sure you get your team names, logos, yeah. draft songs in. I think we should do we should talk about in a future episode. Talk about just some things to do for your fantasy league oh, to make it more fun for sure well step one get everybody in the same room yeah that is a big one as much as you can and if you can't make sure the people remotely are are involved as much as possible yeah that's a good that's a good uh first one to throw out there but we have a, a lot of stuff that makes the league really fun and i think i've heard some people you know talk about wanting to make their draft more interesting or we're kind of asking what we do because ours is kind of known for being well, yeah, an event. I, well, you and I talked about this, right? Like when I talked to like coworkers outside of here and then whatever, I'm like, we have the best draft. And they're like, well, we have a good, like we have a really good draft too. Like people are dedicated, whatever. I'm like, do you have a standing audience of people that come that have no. That's true. We get random people showing up every year that, that are not in the league. Not at all. Probably on average a good, what, four or five people who aren't in the league, oh, maybe more. That. In and out, people like I, I don't know. Like we have, we have the the staples of some of, uh, like Pete's brother-in-law comes. Like yeah. they bring friends. I, I when it was last time I was at my house it was probably a big one. We did the tent thing. We had the food in the tent or whatever. But there was a whole squad of people there. Probably a good what eight to ten folks. That's right. I forgot about that in the very back. <laughs> that had no business. I mean, not that they didn't have any business. That they had no ties to the league whatsoever, except for they wanted to watch and have a good time. So we're doing something right. So if you can get somebody to spend time watching a meaningless draft <laughs> that they have no direct ties to, I think you're doing something right. Shameless plug. Our Dynasty League, we were down one one owner. So if there's... Mike, you already said absolutely not, which I can I, yeah. I totally appreciate. I, I definitely respect the, the league minimum you've enforced. Mm-hmm. The... Yeah, it was, even, it was even a tough sell to get me to do the fam- the family league i was kind of against it at first like, yeah. I want, especially because they made me be commissioner yeah no i hear you there like i do i'm in three so i do the dynasty one then i do a third one but it, the third one's more of uh it's with with the trenton and stuff like that so getting yeah. him involved uh it's fun to watch him play it he's actually getting pretty good 
Or not. Like, he, he does some actual research and actually finds out about players, so it's kind of cool to talk to him about it. But yeah, so if anybody's interested out there in, in listener land, it looks is interested in adopting. That's always the tricky one with Dynasty, because you're going to be taking over somebody else's team. Right. Um, I'll be honest, though, like, the, the team that's available is not in dire straits, so I think anybody would be happy taking it and being, making it their own. But you can reach out to me on Twitter. If you're Facebook friends with me, you can reach out to me there. Someone, uh, someone mail it in. Getting the itch. Need, needs another fantasy fix. Gonna try to draft sometime in the third week of August. There's always a funny one with like dynasty leagues, especially the way we do it. It's like a quote-unquote draft. Yeah. So this year's gonna be interesting because it's the it's the first. Last year was kind of a, a big year, but this is probably the first big year with some big names that are now free agents because of what we do. For Dynasty, it isn't like you don't keep them forever. Um, you have a practice squad where you, I guess you can keep them forever if you wanted to, but then you can't play them. But the active ones, once you put them there, you have a four-year max. You either got to trade them or then they go back to the free agent pool. So it gives us the opportunity. Of, so if you have a really great rookie that you start or whatever else, like Saquon Barkley won't be on the same team for forever. So we'll have a chance for him in the next three years. Yeah, so it's, it's Dynasty, but it's not keepers forever. So with that, we'll catch you next time. Goodbye, everybody. I'm trying to think what Pete would say. We've been doing this. This is this is our 63rd episode, and I don't remember what Pete would say. See ya. Sayonara. Goodbye. Something like that. See ya. Sayonara. So long. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Questionable to Return Sports Podcast. Send us your questions, read more about us, and more on our website, questionabletoreturn.com. Follow us on Twitter at Q2Return and Instagram at questionabletoreturn. You can also like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash questionabletoreturn. Follow each of the guys on Twitter. For Andy, at Andy, the number nine, M-A-N. Mike? at Mike R. Daly, and Pete at P. Cozy with a K, Junior, J.R. Please consider leaving us a five-star review as well as sharing us with someone you know.